This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Now the adventures of Superman. Certain that Jimmy Olsen and editor Perry White were in the hands of a group of hate mongers and terrorists known as the Clan of the Fiery Cross, Clark Kent tracked down a boy he believed knew the identity of the robed and hooded bigots. The boy was Chuck Riggs, nephew of Matt Riggs, the Grand Scorpion of the clan. And when Kent appeared before him as Superman and promised him protection, Chuck revealed the identity of his uncle. Unable to find Matt Riggs in Metropolis, Superman, guided by Chuck, streaked to a clearing in the hills, used by the clan as a meeting place, but arrived after Jimmy and White had been taken several miles away to be executed. As we continue now, Superman, every sense alert, stares about the dark, deserted clearing. Chuck speaks to him anxiously. Got to pick up the clan's trail, Chuck. They were here recently, and I'm sure they had Jim and Mr. White with them. How do you know? See that big bucket over there? Mm-hmm. Well, what about it? Full of tar. Tar? There was a fire under it a short time ago. Also, that bag lying by the half cross has feathers in it. Cheapers. You think they they tarred and feathered Jim and Mr. White? Well, I'm not sure. I know that's what those cowards usually do to anyone who defies them. If they can catch him in the dark when he hasn't a chance. But they didn't turn the chief and Jim loose around here. How do you know they did? Well, I would have spotted them from up above. That means they took them somewhere else. Now, let's see. These big tire tracks were made by a truck. Oh, two trucks. Yeah, my uncle's trucks. That's how the clan travels. Uh-oh. What's the matter, Superman? Both trucks took this rutted trail that goes through the woods and out to the main road. Come on, up with you, Chuck. Fast. Are we going to follow the tracks? We're going to try to. All right, hang on now. Up and away! <laughs> stopping for, Superman? See that fork down there? Uh, yeah. See how three roads go off through the hills in three different directions? Well, all have tire tracks on them. Which one of those hooded rats take? Gee, I don't know. I guess there's only one thing to do. Wrap my cape around you, son. That's it. All right, hang on tight, Chuck. We're going to range around. Away! <laughs> Flashing in great arcs through the sky above the hills, Superman's keen eyes search desperately for a sight of the clan trucks bearing his friends. Meanwhile, in a tiny rough stubbled glade surrounded by towering trees, Jimmy Olsen and Perry White, bound hand and foot, lie helplessly on the ground. A few feet away, four robed and hooded men are digging a deep trench by the light of a small lamp. A dozen other clansmen stand nearby with Matt Riggs, their grand scorpion. 
finished digging the, the grave, Mr. White. We... No, no, we... no, no. Take it easy, Jim. How can I? When I think what's going to happen to us... Nothing's it's... happened yet, so think about something else. What? What'll I think about? Oh, how do I know? Anything, anything. Okay, I... I'll think about baseball. You know, my team, Unity House, is playing for the boys' championship of Metropolis Saturday. Mm-hmm. Only I won't be there to manage them. And Tommy Lee won't be able to pitch because the clan broke his arm. The clan messed up everything. I told you to think about something else. I can't. Look what they did to Tommy Lee and his father and to Polko. Look what they're doing to us. Gee whiz, Mr. White. Why does this whole country like the United States have to have outfits like the clan of the Fiery Cross? Every country has its lame brains and diseased minds, Jim. Germany had the Nazis. We've got the clan of the Fiery Cross. No, I just hope our country realizes the danger of these these lunatics in nightshirts before it's too late. Well, still making one of your big speeches, eh, White? Well, save your breath. You've only got a short time left. Well, You're a be... madman, Riggs. You'll go to the chapel. Don't this. make me laugh. I warned you, you couldn't stop the work of the clan. Nobody can. That's what you think. I said nobody can stop us. We're going to get rid of every foreigner in this country. Everyone who thinks, acts, and looks different from us. Anybody who tries to stop us will get the same thing you're getting. Okay, boys. Oh, the man's mad. Absolutely mad. And we're through, Chief. This is it. Harry! Emmett? As Grand Defender of the Clan of the Fiery Cross, you will now perform your sacred duty. Here's a gun. Take care of those two chink lovers. Okay. Here it comes, Mr. White. Easy, Jim. Easy. All right, you dirty punks. Here's where you get yours. You mean here's where you get yours? I'll take that gun. And you take this. Superman. Hello, Jim. I'll just get these ropes off you and... Oh, I... thank heaven you've arrived just in time. How? Hey, look. The Klansmen are getting away. Go after them, Yes, Superman. yes, these ropes can wait. Don't let them get away. Don't you worry. They won't get far. There, you're free. All right, now get behind those trees in case there's any more shooting. I'll round up our friends in the sheets. Away! Like a great flashing eagle, the man of steel pounces upon terrified clansmen as they seek wildly to escape through the woods. Swiftly, he rounds them up, herds them into their truck, and ropes them securely together. All right, Jim. Mr. White, climb into the front seat. We'll hop over the trees to that next hill and pick up Chuck where I left him. Then we deliver this load of soiled sheets to Inspector Henderson's laundry. Oh, boy. Come on, Chief. No, I just want to pay my respects to Mr. High Mucky Muck. He said nobody could get in the clan's way and live. No time now, Mr. White. I understand this gang is just the action committee. We've got to get back to Metropolis and round up the rest of them. All right, hurry. Get into the truck. All right. Come on, Jim. All set? All set, Superman. Up with it, then. There we are. Up and away! Lifting the huge truck as if it were a child's toy, Superman carries it swiftly over the trees to where Chuck Riggs waits for him. Then streaks up the metropolis and lands in the parking area behind police headquarters. All up. End of the line. Boy, oh boy. Well, Inspector Henderson be glad to see these oh, guys. Oh, I wish I had a cameraman here. Well, you clansmen are a fine, brave-looking bunch now, eh? Uh, but you'll look better when you swap those sheets for striped prison uniforms. Oh, listen to them squeal. Rats always squeal in that corner, Jim. They're only brave when their victims are smaller and weaker than themselves. Come on, all of you. Out of the truck. Oh, boy, this is wonderful. How do you feel now about stopping the clan, Riggs? Hey, Riggs. Riggs. Uh, say, where is he? Oh. Well, the Grand Scorpion, or where... 
But he calls himself Matt Riggs. Where is he? He was. I don't see him. They must be here. Well, he isn't, I tell you. His robe had a blue stuffing on it. That's right. He must have got away. Oh, I'm sure I got everyone on the road and in the woods. Wait a minute. All of you, take off your hoods. Take them off, I say. That's better. Now, Mr. White, Jim, Chuck, is Matt Riggs here? No, no, he, no, he got no. away. Yes. Great Scott, I don't see how We've he got could have. to find him, Superman. He's the big noise of this outfit, and he's a dangerous madman, a murderer. He sure is. Oh, golly, now he'll get me. He'll come back don't and Don't you he'll... worry, Chuck. You stay here until I get back, all of you. Oh, good, here come some officers. Tell them what happened, Mr. White, and see that these clansmen are locked up. I'm going back to find Riggs. Up and away! <laughs> Once more, taking to the skyways, the Man of Steel rockets back to the glade in the hills. Confidently at first, then increasingly worried, he searches over the glade and through the surrounding woods, widening his search over the more distant hills and roads and rivers. But the hours go by, and still he is unable to find Matt Riggs. What has happened to the cunning half-mad leader of the clan of the Fiery Cross? Late that night, a superman and the alerted police scour the hills and countryside for Matt Riggs, the grand scorpion of the clan of the Fiery Cross, stops at the door of a handsome brick house in a town across the state line and rings the bell. His clothes are bedraggled. His shoes are caked with mud. But his strange, slate-colored eyes still gleam with a half-mad light as the door opens and Cedric Wilson, grand imperial mogul of the clan of the Fiery Cross, peers into the dark. Ooh. Matt Riggs. What are you doing here? Let me in, Wilson. The clan's in danger. Danger? Yes, but I know what to do. I know how to save it, Wilson. Really? Yes, but we got to work fast, very fast. Look, Come in, Riggs. Follow me. Quickly, the Grand Scorpion and the Grand Imperial Mogul, supreme national leader of the clan of the Fiery Cross, disappear into a darkened hallway inside the handsome house. What is Riggs' plan? What new menace are the leaders of the men of hate about to hatch against our friends and against all decent citizens? Our story has taken a strange new twist, fellows and girls, which makes tomorrow's episode packed with thrills, drama, and surprise. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Behold my glasses. Ooh, yeah, let me something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! The Loot Crate video box was with kids today, huh? 
Browsers! With crits starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for every collector's in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it? You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's pet. Pep, the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today our story takes a new twist as Matt Briggs, fanatical leader of the Clan of the Fiery Cross, eludes capture and carries new plans for attack to the Grand Imperial Mogul of the Terrorists. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, have you heard the talk that's going round and round the breakfast table these mornings? It's about this week's pet dish of the week, blueberry whirligig. How about giving it a whirl yourself? First, you sprinkle your serving of Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal, with fresh, ripe blueberries. Then, uh, now carefully, of course, take your spoon and give it a whirl so the juicy berries are all mixed in with those crisp flakes of pet. Finish off with milk and sugar, and that's it, a blueberry whirligig. And is it a snappy treat? What those sunny flakes of Kellogg's Pet can do for fresh berries... How that sparkling sunshine flavor does rise and shine. Mm-mm. Yeah, Kellogg's Pep sure is on the sunbeam when it comes to delicious eating. Did I say delicious? Well, you won't want to stop until you've finished up every flake of Kellogg's Pep in your bowl. And you know, that's a particularly good idea nowadays when the cereal grains are being set overseas. You don't want to waste cereal, so handle the package carefully if you pour your own Pep and eat up every bit you pour out. When Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocer's, Make sure you eat all your pep. Don't waste it. And now, the adventures of Superman. Although Superman captured the action committee of the Clan of the Fiery Cross just as they were about to execute Jimmy Olsen and editor Perry White, Matt Riggs, Grand Scorpion of the terroristic band, managed to escape. For many hours, Superman searched the hills for the cunning fanatical leader, but was unable to find him. Late that night, his clothes bedraggled and his shoes caked with mud. Riggs arrived at a handsome house in the neighboring state. This is the home of Cedric Wilson, Grand Imperial Mogul of the Clan of the Fiery Cross. And as we continue now, in Wilson's library, the white-haired, thin-lipped supreme ruler of the hate-mongers faces Matt Riggs, whose slate-colored eyes glow with a strange, burning fire. Listen. You shouldn't have come here, Riggs. I had to, Wilson. The clan's in danger. We'll be in much worse danger if you were followed. Uh, Don't worry, I wasn't followed. Now listen, Wilson. You can't be sure. That's probably a five-state alarm for you by now. You're a stupid fool, Riggs. Me? Stupid? Why? Yes. No one but a stupid fool would risk the murder of an important man like the editor of the Daily Planet. But I had to, Wilson. He found out who I was. I'd have got away with it, except for Superman. Now, in addition to the police, you've got Superman looking for us. Uh, Do you realize what that means? Just when we were launching a huge new membership drive? This will cost us 10,000 new members. Maybe not, Wilson. Maybe, Maybe nothing. Your fool stunt cost us 10,000 new members who would have paid us $100 apiece for initiation fees and another $25 for robes and hoods. That means over $1 million would have split. Oh, so what? What's money got to do with the spot we're in now? 
What's money got to do? Yes, after all, we're not in this only for money. No? What have you been doing with the 25% cut you get on all new members to the Metropolis chapter? And the 10% cut on their robes? Giving it to charity? Certainly not. I like money, sure. But aside from that, I'm also working to purify America, to clean it up foreigners. Oh, come now, Riggs. Look, Wilson, I know we're in a bad spot. But if you'll only call in the National Action Committee... Wait a that... minute. Is it possible that you really believe all that stuff about getting rid of the foreigners? That one race, one religion, one color hokum? Hokum? Why, it's the absolute truth. We've got to save America from foreign elements. Well, I'll be... I thought you had brains, Riggs. But obviously something's happened to you. You've become drunk on the slop we put up for the suckers. Suckers? Who are you calling? Our members, Riggs. The poor fish who want to hate and blame somebody else for their failures in life. The saps who believe drivel such as a man is a dangerous enemy because he goes to a different church. The little nobodies who want to believe some of the race is inferior so they can feel superior. The jerks who go for that 100% American rot. Rot? You mean you don't believe? Of course not. You must know there is no such thing as what we call 100% American. Everyone here except the Indians is descended from foreigners. Oh, I bless you, Wilson. You talk like a dirty foreigner yourself. I'm running a business, Riggs, and so are you. We deal in one of the oldest and most profitable commodities on earth. Hate. Your mistake was when you forgot you were a businessman and began believing your own sales talk. I didn't make any mistakes. I only had tough luck. Wait a minute. Let me ask you a question. You said you wanted me to summon our National Action Committee, didn't you? Yes. For what reason? To get rid of Perry White and Jim Olson and my nephew Chuck. They got me into this trouble and they can identify me. And they dare to defy the clan of the Fiery Cross. I thought so. You've lost your mind, Riggs. You've turned into a bloodthirsty fanatic. You're a great danger to the wife of the clan now, and you've got to be stopped. Why, what do you mean? I'll show you what I mean. It's you or the clan, Matt. Put down that gun. Not until... Stop it. Stop it, you're breaking my arm, that gun. All right. No, you traitor. Let me go. I'm getting choking. Finish you off, Matt. No. You're a traitor to the clan. You know what that means. So now I'm going to finish you. Then I'll go back to Metropolis and get White Nelson and my sniveling nephew. No one can stop me in the clan of the Fiery Cross. When is the next plane to Metropolis? Flight 12 leaves in 10 minutes. Arrives in Metropolis at 4 a.m. All right, I want one ticket. What name, sir? Huh? Uh, Rigney. Uh, yes, yeah, Martin Rigney. Never mind where this is a clan order. But, but, Matt, all the cops are looking for you. It's in the papers and on the radio. So what? We got a job to do. What job? You've got to get rid of Perry White and Jim Olson and my nephew. Then there'll be nobody left to testify against me and the clan can go on. Now, come on, hurry up and get dressed. Uh, uh, not me. I've had enough of the clan. I don't want to go to the electric chair. Good night. Now, wait a minute. Boy, the dirty yellow rat. <laughs> Come with me, George. Nothing doing, Matt. I'm all through with the clan. As soon as the wife and I finish packing, we're getting out of town. Out of town? What's the idea? The action committee was rounded up by Superman. They've squealed. It was just on the radio. They told the cops the names of all the clan members they knew. I'm getting out before the cops come for me. That rich. 
Holy smoke, I thought it was the police coming for me. Get out of here. Now, wait a minute, Tom. Get away from here, I said. I don't want to hear any more of your smooth talk. I'm game for scaring foreigners by flogging and tarring feathering. But murder? Not for me. Go on, get away from my house. Who's there? Me, Matt Riggs. Open up, Bill. Now, wait a minute, Bill. I said or I'll call the cops. Listen, Joe, there's a big job to do for the clan. All right, you dirty cowards. I'll get White Nelson and Chuck alone. I'll save the clan of the fiery fraud myself. Then let me see you come crawling back. Standing on the deserted street as dawn is beginning to break, Matt Riggs, out of his mind with hate, shakes his fists violently over his head, vowing to take the lives of editor White Jimmy Olsen and young Chuck Riggs. Neither Clark Kent nor Inspector Henderson have slept during the night. Now, as dawn begins to break, both men are in Henderson's office at Metropolis Police Headquarters. His face haggard, the inspector wearily answers the phone, then stiffens alertly. Yes, I heard you, Hilly. You sure it was him? He did, huh? Well, did you check it? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, stick with it and keep me posted. Right. What's up, Inspector? Get this, Kent. What? A man answering the description of Matt Riggs. Using the name Rigney, boarded a state airline's plane in Graham City at 1.30 this morning. Uh-oh. Where was the plane bought? From Metropolis. It landed a couple of hours ago. Oh, was Riggs picked up? No. What? My men were watching a terminal in the outgoing plane. We didn't expect him to fly into Metropolis. I was sure Riggs was hiding out in the hills. Well, he made his way out through an old lead mine. That's why I missed him. You missed him? Huh? Oh, I, I mean Superman. Uh, lead, you know, is the one substance his X-ray vision can't penetrate. Uh, look, Inspector... Matt Riggs is dangerous. He's got to be found. We'll find him eventually. Eventually? You've got to find him now at once. Take that easy, Kent. The clan of the Fiery Croth is practically broken up in this oh, town. They're scared, and so is Riggs. They won't try anything. Most of the clansmen are scared, yes. They're just sheep who followed where Riggs led them. But Riggs isn't scared. He's, he's a fanatic, a dangerous maniac. He, he, he might even make another attempt on the lives of Mr. White and Jim. Oh, or... nonsense. I've seen other leaders of these screwball crowds. Oh, now, wait They a sound crazy when they're up on the soapbox, but it's all an act to enlist members and rake in initiation. Oh, no, you're They're wrong. too smart to risk their skins when they know they're on the police list. I tell you, you're wrong, Inspector. Jim and Mr. White both say Matt Riggs is mad. Relax, Kent. We're watching Riggs' house, but Jim and White aren't in any danger. I tell you, they are. And I can't be out in the suburbs watching Mr. White and here in town watching Jim and Chuck at the same time. Now, you've got to send a police detail out there. All right, all right. If it'll make you happy, I'll send some men out to keep an eye on them. Thanks, Inspector. I just hope they're not too late. Arguing desperately, Clark can't persuade Inspector Henderson to send special police details to the homes of Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, and Chuck Riggs. But a sixth sense must be warning Kent that they may be too late. For at this moment, while dawn is still only a hazy mist on the shroud of night, Matt Riggs stands in the dark basement of his house, having entered by a secret tunnel from his garage. For a long moment, the fanatical leader of the clan of the Fiery Cross stands motionless, listening as the footsteps of the police officer outside the house fade away. Then, his strange slate-colored eyes shining like an animal's in the dark, he starts up the steps to the kitchen and on up to his nephew's room at the head of the stairs. What will happen? Tomorrow brings an episode in which many exciting things happen, so be sure not to miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. (laughs) 
Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, with Matt Riggs still at large in Metropolis, the lives of Jimmy Olsen, Perry White, and Chuck Riggs are, as Superman fears, gravely imperiled. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, you know what I'd like to see? Well, sometime I'd like to see how many thousands of feet it would reach if you heaped up all the tender flakes of Kellogg's Pep that are eaten for breakfast these days. Boy, what a skyscraper that would be. And wouldn't it be a big pile of good eating? Because Pep is crunchy and crisp and golden toasted. Pep is full up with sparkling sunshine flavor. Why, Kellogg's Pep is called the sunshine cereal, as cheerful and sunny a dish as you'd ever want to taste. Mom knows Pep is good for you, too. Sure, gives you solid whole wheat nourishment plus. That's one reason it's a smart idea to eat up every toasty flake in your bowl. And uh, here's another reason. Nowadays, it's especially important not to waste cereal because the cereal grains are being sent to fellows and girls overseas. Keep that in mind when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers. Don't waste it. If you pour your own Pep, pour it carefully and finish up every bit you pour out. And say, kind of keep watch on your younger brothers and sisters, too. That's easy, isn't it? And it's important. Remember, gang, eat all your pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. When Superman rescued editor Perry White and Jimmy Olsen from a group of hate mongers and terrorists, Matt Riggs, their fanatical leader, managed to escape. Fearing the testimony of White and Jimmy, Riggs decided to do away with them and with his young nephew, Chuck, who had revealed his uncle's identity to Superman. While the police searched for him, Riggs used a secret tunnel to enter his home, where he lived with his sister-in-law and her son, Chuck. As we continue now, he has noiselessly climbed the stairs to Chuck's room. The first streaks of dawn faintly light the shadowy hall as the hate-crazed Riggs, his slate-colored eyes blazing with venom, softly opens his nephew's door and approaches the bed. Listen. Now, you cross on the little rat. I'm going to... What? He's not here. Who's there? Who's there, I said? Not so loud, sir. It's me, Matt. Mercy me. Matt Riggs, how'd you get in? Never Where mind, you... Matt. Where's Chuck? The police are looking for you. They're outside the house. I'm going to... Oh, no, you don't. Let go my wrist. You're hurting me. Yeah, you were going to call the cops, weren't you? Going to give away your own brother-in-law. Let me go. <clears throat> Where's Chuck? He's at... Uh, oh, I, I don't know where he You're is. You're lying. No, I, I don't... You started to say where he is. Now go on and say it. I, I, I didn't say you anything. Did. I tell you, I don't You're know where... You're lying. Now tell me where he is, or I'll... Stop. Please, you're hurting me. You tell me where that sneaking little whelp is. Why, why do you want him? He revealed my identity to Clark Kent. Well, he did right. Your, your gang's wicked, like them Nazis. I'd have told on you, too, if I'd have known. Ow! You're oh, my tell eyes. me where he is? No, I don't care what you do to me, I won't. Wait. 
I'll bet he's at Jim Olson's house, isn't he? No, no, he's not there. Oh, you gave it away, Sarah. No, no, I tell you, he's not there. He's, oh, he's not there. No, I can get both those young rats at the same time. Then there'll only be white left. Oh, no, you don't. Let me go, you, you oh, no. Let me go. I got a big job to do. Nobody's going to stop me. I'll tie up with the sheet. Then I'll look in the closet. And I'll take care of your whelp son, and Olsen. That house in the corner. All right, slow down, Lou. Okay. No, no, stop. Don't stop. Keep going. What you said? Keep going, I said. I don't get it. Didn't you see that car that just turned into the driveway of Olsen's house? No. No, well, look now. We're passing it, but don't slow up. There's a police car. Darn it. I saw it in time. What do you suppose the cops want here? I don't know. Sarah couldn't have called him because they tied her up. Been locked in the closet. All right. Turn the corner and stop under that big tree, Lou, right there by that vacant lot. Maybe we ought to keep going. Do as I say, will you? Okay, okay, you're the boss. All right, kill the motor. All right. Now, let's see. Blast it, those cops are patrolling right in front of Wilson's house. Oh, we better scram, Matt, before they spot us. No, 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 they won't spot us up here. This tree hides us. We're taking a big risk, That's Matt. Dirty break, Olsen and Chuck both right in that house, and I can't get at them. Yeah, and chances are the cops are guarding Perry White's house, too. Sure, they must be. So there's nothing we can do, so we might as well go, huh? You turn that motor off, but man! Turn it off, I said. Okay. But I don't see the percentage in sitting here right under the noses of them cops. No, you don't. Even if Olsen and Chuck walked out of the house right now, you wouldn't take a chance of shooting at I wouldn't, wouldn't I? Well, just let me see him walk out of that house. I'll drop them in their tracks with this rifle. But all the cops around... You're crazy, Matt. But I'm not. I'm getting out of here. Oh, no, you're not. I sure am. I ain't sticking here with no trigger-happy madman. A fine brother you are. Why, you're as yellow as all the other rats who ran out on me. But you're not going to run out until this job is over. Not until Chuck and White and Olsen are dead. And I and our group are safe again. Now, you sit here and be quiet. Now, look, Matt. Ah. Did you get that newspaper for me like I had told you to? Yeah. Here it is. Let's see it. I want to see what they say about us. You keep your eyes peeled at Olsen's house. If that kid comes out, you yell quick, sir. Okay. Now, then. Oh, look at that. What? A picture of my action committee right here on the first page. Holy smokes. Listen to this. Matt Riggs' action committee pleads for mercy. Blames Riggs for attacks on Lee family and Perry White and James Olsen. Say they were duped by false promises into wrongdoing. Why, that dirty yellow rat. You can't blame him for being oh. scared, Matt. With Superman after him and the cops? Well, that's bad odds. Will you shut up? Listen to this. Will Jennings admits joining a attack on Dr. Lee and his young son, Tommy, because Matt Riggs had promised to secure a $5,000 a year position for him in the health department, a position now being held by Dr. Lee, the well-known Chinese bacteriologist. When questioned by Superman, Jennings admitted that he lacked proper qualifications for the position, but hoped nevertheless... Oh, boy, would I get my hands on that Jennings. The dirty squealer. I didn't think he'd rat on you. Yeah, but don't you worry. He'll come crawling back when I'm on top again, and I will be... All I have to do now is to get rid of White and Olsen and Chuck so they can't testify against me. Then... But how are you going to do that if the cops are going to be watching them all the time? Oh, shut up. I'll find a way. Hey, wait, what's this? What? Look, it says the boys' baseball championship of Metropolis will be decided this afternoon at the stadium when Unity House plays against Metropolis High School. What's that to get excited will about? Will you let me finish and shut up? 
It says Jim Olson, manager of the Unity House team, announced that Chuck Riggs will pitch. And Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet, sponsors of the championship tournament, will be on hand to present the winning team with solid gold baseballs. Oh. Now do you get it, Lou? Well, maybe. You mean... I mean the three persons I've got to get rid of. Perry White, Jim Olson, and my nephew Chuck will all be at the stadium baseball field this afternoon, and we're going to be there, too. Come on, Lou. Get this car rolling. We've got things to do. Crowds are pouring into the Metropolis Stadium for the game between Jim Olsen's Unity House team, Metropolis High School, finalists in the baseball tournament for the Boys' Championship of Metropolis. On the field, both teams are engaged in practice. At one end of the field, Clark Kent stands in anxious conversation with Police Inspector Henderson. I don't care what you say. I'm worried, Inspector. I still think this game should have been called off until Matt Riggs is caught. Oh, relax, Kent. There's nearly as much danger as you think. Relax? Mm. Are you kidding? You know Matt Riggs swore he'd kill Mr. White, Jim Olson, and Chuck. Ah, that's her a dime a dozen, you know that. Well, that may be, but this man is a fanatic inspector. Hate and disappointment have made him a maniac. He won't stop short of murder, and if he can get away with it. Well, he can get away with it. Anyhow, not here in the state. Why? First, because he can't get in. And second, because I've got top-notch men posted all over the field and in the stands. Well, if Riggs somehow manages to show up... He'll be a dead pigeon before he can move a muscle. I don't know. I wish I could feel as confident as you do. But Riggs is shrewd and shifty. Take my word for it, Kent. He'll have to be a hundred times smarter than he is to get into the stadium. So relax and enjoy the game. You leave Matt Riggs to me. I'm sorry, I won't relax, Inspector. I can't. Not for a moment. Because I... Well, because I smell danger. Once more, Clark Kent's super senses warn him of danger. But can even he cope with the triple death trap even now being set by Matt Riggs? For at this moment, on a high roof overlooking the stadium, Matt Riggs and his henchmen lie flat on their stomachs, shielded from all view by an overhanging skylight which fans out above them. Held firmly in Riggs' hands, pointed at the field below, is a powerful long-range rifle equipped with telescopic sights. Now he watches through field glasses. They're getting ready to start the game, Lou. In a moment, Chuck will walk out there in the pitcher's mound. Now, a good, clear shot at him. But how about Olsen and White? you got to get them all pretty close together. Yeah, look. White's walking into the box now. Olsen's sitting down there at the end of the bench. <laughs> I can get an easy, clear beat on all three of them. You sure you can hit them from way up here? Hit them from up here. Why, I can knock over a running deer at a thousand yards. <laughs> and this will be like shooting sitting ducks. Watch. Lifting his long rifle to his shoulder, Matt Riggs squints through the powerful telescopic sights, bringing Jimmy Olsen squarely into view as the young reporter sits tensely at the end of the Unity House bench. What will happen? How can Superman avert this final threat to his friends in the scant seconds remaining? There's plenty of excitement ahead in the smashing climax of this story, so don't fail to be with us Monday when amazing things take place. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. 
Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Vengeance on Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, and his young nephew Chuck. Matt Riggs attempts to make the Unity House baseball field an arena of death. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, when we start off the show with P.E.P. Pep, the sunshine cereal, we're not talking through our hats, no sir, because Kellogg's Pep and Old Man's Son sure do have something in common. For one thing, the way they brighten up breakfast. Why, just one look at a sunny golden toasted bowl of Kellogg's Pep and your appetite wakes up smiling. You can hardly wait to start eating. Then uh, when you sample that first spoonful, all crisp and, and toasty and delicious, you know that you're going to go for this dish. And did I say delicious? Why, believe me, gang, Kellogg's Pep is on the sunbeam loaded with a sparkling sunshine flavor that's mighty keen. You'll keep right on eating until, well, until you've polished off every tender flake in your bowl. And that's the smart thing to do, you know, especially nowadays when we don't want to waste cereal. Because whole wheat is one of the grains picked out to go to fellas and girls all over the world. So get hep to pep, gang. When mom brings Kellogg's pep home from the grocers, make sure it's not wasted. Handle with care is the idea if you pour your own pep and eat up every bit you pour out. And say, uh, pass the word along to the rest of your family, too. Just remember, eat all your pep. Don't waste it. <laughs> Now, the adventures of Superman. Due to the efforts of Superman, a group of hate mongers and terrorists has been broken up, and most of its cowardly leaders are in jail. But Matt Briggs, the vicious head of the band, is still at large. Wild with rage at his nephew Chuck, who had revealed his identity to Superman, Briggs determined to do away with the boy, and with editor Perry White and Jimmy Olsen, whose testimony can send him to jail for life. Discovering that all three objects of his hate would be in a baseball game for the boys' championship of Metropolis, gave the half-mad fanatic his opportunity. Everything looked just right, with Jimmy Olsen managing the Unity House team, Chuck Riggs pitching, and Perry White watching the game from a box. Now, while police keep sharp over the crowded stadium, Matt Riggs lies a block away on a high roof overlooking the playing field. A long-range rifle equipped with telescopic sights in his hand. He's accompanied by a seedy, ferret-faced man named Lou. Listen. I'll get him first. Oh, blast it. What's the matter, man? Uh, some big guy walked over there and stood right in front of Olsen. He's still standing there. Then get your big mouth nephew, Chuck. He's all alone on the pitcher's mound. Look, I've got to get Chuck and Olsen and Perry White just sat. Sure, I know, but... Yeah, and they all have to be in the clear at the same time before I shoot. Why do they? Why? Because there'll be a flash in the gun that'll give us away when I fire. i got to pick them off one, two, three, just like that. So we can get away before the cops get here. Oh, wait. Wait. The big guy is walking away. Now. Doggone it. Now what? Oh, don't you see the players gathering around Chuck the mound? Oh, yeah. yeah I was watching Olsen. What happened? Uh, that other team got a couple of hits, I guess, and they used to be players that talked it over with Chuck. Yeah. Sure, there goes Olsen out to join the party. I wish you'd get this over with, Matt. I got the jump. Well, it won't be long now. I'll get those three rats, and then we can be going. You sure you can hit him from way up here, huh? Yeah, I sure. Didn't I tell you I can knock down a running bear at a thousand yards? Well, this job is a six. 
I'll get White then, Olsen, and then that double-crossed nephew of mine, just like I said I would. Wait and see. That's Matt Riggs lies waiting on the nearby roof. Jimmy Olsen, unaware of his peril, fidgets nervously on the Unity House bench. He speaks to Clark Kent. I'm worried, Mr. Kent. Uh, so am I, Jim. It's only the first inning, and Metropolis High got two runs already. Oh, that. What do you mean, oh, that? Chuck is nervous as a, a wet hen. Oh, boy, if only we had Tommy Lee picking for us today. Uh-huh. Can't see him anywhere. You can't see who? Matt Riggs. What? Matt Riggs? Mm-hmm. But, gee, will you, you think he's here? I don't know, Jim. Inspector Henderson is certain he couldn't get into the stadium without being spotted, but I'm worried. My head, my head, we got a head. Come on now, Frankie, drive him home. Aren't you excited, Mr. Kent? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure I am, Jim, but I'd be a lot happier if I knew where Matt Riggs is. <laughs> That's right, Chief. If only... If only what? No, nothing. Where do you keep walking around? Sit down here. Oh, thanks. I'd rather stand. If anything happens, I'll be ready. Ready? Ready for what? I wish I knew. Frankly, I'm worried about Matt Riggs, Chief. Uh, well, that rotten apple is far away from here by now. I don't know. He knows the police and the FBI are looking for him. Now sit down, Kent, and forget about Matt Riggs. I can't forget him. He's got a powerful hunch he's nearby. Oh, nonsense. Inspector Henderson's men are at every entrance and scattered through the stands. Riggs is stupid enough to try and get in here, they grab him. I suppose so, but... Wait, what? Our boy just struck out, if that's what you mean. No, there was a strange flash of light up that way. Flash of light? Yes, like the sun reflecting... There it is again. I don't see anything. It's gone now, but... Great Scott! What? What is it, Ken? On that... I'll see you later, Chief. Now, then. The kind of glasses is gone from the white box. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Chuck and Olsen still standing by the bench. Well, let's see. They're walking away from each other, but they're all alone. Clear shot. Yeah, okay. All right. Here's where those three rats get theirs. First, Mr. Perry White. Mad, slate-colored eyes blazing, Matt Riggs takes careful aim at Perry White. Then slowly his finger curls around the trigger of his rifle. As Matt Riggs, lying on a high roof overlooking the Metropolis Stadium, took careful aim at Perry White, who was sitting in a box on the field. Clark Kent was behind the stand, stripping off his business suit to stand revealed in the blue costume and red cape of Superman. Matt Riggs on that roof with a rifle. He's aiming at Perry White. He's firing. Stop that bullet. Away! Like a flashing comet, Superman above the grandstand, then swoops down to snatch the whistling bullet just before it reaches the unsuspecting Perry White. Got it. Firing again. A Jimmy this time. Away! Coiling in midair, the man of steel straightens out and rockets across the diamond, seizing another leaden pellet from the air before it strikes Jimmy Olsen. Then, two out. Now for the third. Away! 
Swerving, Superman flashes to the pitcher's mouth with a streak of light, plucks a deadly bullet from the air as it is about to strike Chuck. Then, without pausing, he soars up from the stadium to the roof, where Matt Riggs, the look of fury on his face, is about to fire his rifle again. Oh, no, I don't want Riggs. Uh, what are you Riggs doing? Out. I'll take that rifle. What the hook, Matt, look! Superman! Right, give me that gun, I guess. Oh, no, I won't. Drug late won't help you, Matt. Let me go. Let me go. I'm out of jail. You're all through killing, my friend, and you're all through with all your other dirty... Uh, Come on, now. Under my arm with you. You too, mister. No, let me go. I didn't do nothing. Now, that to the judge. All set for the city jail? Here we go. Up and away! Leaving from the roof with Matt Briggs and his henchman under his arm, Superman speaks with them to police headquarters. A short time later, once more in his guise of the mild-mannered reporter Clark Kent... He is back in the stadium to stand beside Perry White as the gray-haired editor distributes small gold baseballs, emblematic of the boys' baseball championship of Metropolis, to the victorious Unity House players. The boys of Unity House have done a fine job, and I'm proud of you. You've not only proved that you're the best baseball team, but you've proved that youngsters of different races and creeds can work and play together successfully in the American way. Well said, Chief. Yes, sir. Well, boys, now it's up to uh, us. Excuse to... me for interrupting, Mr. White, but Chuck here wants me to tell you something. Well, come on, Chuck. Speak for yourself. No, wait, Mr. Kent. He's... Huh? Well, he's afraid it'll sound like he's grandstanding if he says it himself. I can see what he means, so I said I'd talk for him. Oh, I see. Well, what is it, Jim? Well, Chuck feels like he doesn't deserve this gold base. What? Well, what kind of nonsense is that? Of course he does. Certainly, if it's a fine game. Sure, that's what I told him. But he says Tommy Lee would have picked the game if his uncle and his dirty gang hadn't broken his pitching arm. Besides, Tommy coached him through the game. Oh, well, he wants you to give his gold baseball to Tommy. Well, I say that's very decent of you, Chuck, but well, I... Let me talk, Kent. It is decent of you, Chuck, but it won't be necessary. Because, you see, I've had another gold baseball made for Tommy. Oh. Now, I'd like all of you boys to come with me to deliver it to him. Now, what do you say, huh? That's oh, swell, Chief. Certainly is. Oh, boy. Filing into taxi cab, Perry White, Clark, and Jimmy Olsen, and the happy Unity House players drive to Tommy Lee's house. And so, another Superman adventure has come to a close. But even now, at this very moment, because the forces of greed and evil never rest, a great and menacing adventure is building swiftly to further tax the Man of Steel's powers. In the tiny hamlet of Queen Run, Ohio, a man sits at a telegraph key, green eyeshade low on his forehead, and methodically transcribes a message which is being routed through his station due to line trouble elsewhere. Suddenly, the man stiffens, reads the message before him, then leaps to his feet and rushes to the telephone. Get me the Daily Planet newspaper in Metropolis, operator. Hurry, please, hurry. This is a matter of life or death. His eyes literally popping from his head, his breathing labored. The telegrapher in tiny swing run waits for his long-distance call to the Daily Planet to be put through. What foreshadowing of great danger did he read in that telegram? Don't fail to be with us tomorrow, fellows and girls, when we begin a brand new and exciting Superman story, packed with action, mystery, thrills, and Horatio F. Horn, the funniest detective you've ever heard of. So be sure to tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts 
or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep! Pep! the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today we begin a brand new Superman adventure. An adventure packed with mystery and action and fun with the most surprising detective you've ever met, Horatio F. Horn. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, is your appetite all primed to eat hearty when you show up at the breakfast table in the morning? Well, it's bound to be if there's a bowl of Kellogg's Pep waiting for you. And it'll get an extra lift if you'll treat yourself to a peach rocket. That's this week's Pep dish of the week, you know. And it's a knockout. Try it tomorrow. First line the sides of your breakfast bowl with slices of firm ripe peaches. Arrange them so that they're, they're pointing up, you know, like rockets. Pour your serving of Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, in the middle so the peaches show up above the flakes. Then milk and sugar, and that's all it takes to make a peach rocket, a dish that'll make your appetite really skyrocket. You see, Kellogg's Pep does something for the fruit. It's crisp and it's crunchy and teases your taste so that you keep right on eating until your bowl is polished off clean. And you know, it's very important not to waste cereal nowadays when we're sending the cereal grains to fellas and girls across the seas. So, gang, be sure to eat all your pets. Don't waste it. And now, the adventures of Superman. When the local telegrapher in the tiny hamlet of Screen Run, Ohio, transcribed a certain message, he stared at it unbelievingly, then leaped to the telephone and called the Daily Planet newspaper in Metropolis. Unable to contact editor Perry White, the telegrapher, who was also the local correspondent for the planet, began bombarding White with letters and telegrams demanding that at least two top-notch reporters be sent to Queen Run at once to cover a story of world-shaking importance. White's annoyance increased as the telegrapher correspondent wired that he was coming to Metropolis in person, and then sent almost hourly wires announcing his progress on his journey. As we continue now, the gray-haired editor at the end of his patience has summoned Clark Kent and Lois Lane to his office. Listen. 
Just five minutes ago, Beanie brought me another telegram from this, this crackpot announcing that he will arrive here in the Daily Planet office at three o'clock. Three o'clock? Hmm, it's just five to three now. It is? Good gravy. Well, now, look, Chief. What's all the fuss about? For the life of me, I can't see why you You don't... can't see why I don't want this place cluttered up with, with small-town correspondents who want to sell me what they call front-page stories out in, in Squeedunk? I thought you said it was Squeen Run. Now, what's the difference? We dunk or screen run. I want one of both of you to intercept that, that character and keep him out of my hair. Oh, or, wait a minute. Or... Wait a minute. Take it easy. Maybe this guy's really got a big story. What? Are you kidding? No. Isn't it possible that he Just stumbled on the I don't want to see him. You understand? Tell him I'm going to India, China, or... Uh, excuse me, Mr. Well, what do you want, Nilsen? Nothing except there's a character... I mean, a gentleman outside who said you were expecting him at 3 o'clock. Uh-oh. Right on time. Well, you tell him I'm not in. And I'm not into anyone for the rest of the day. You get that? Yes, sir. I'll tell him, but... Hold said... it, Beanie. Hold it. Who is this man? Why, he said his name is... Horatio F. Horn, sir. What? Queen Run correspondent for the great Metropolis Daily Planet. At your service, sir. No, oh, no. Oh, dear, mister. You got no it's, right It's to... all right, Beanie. It's all right. You may go now. Yes, yes. Get out of my sight, door. Why, George, okay, I... Okay, okay, but I don't know what now, sir, you, I assume, are Mr. Perry White, my editor. Your editor. Uh, that's right, Mr. Horn. Yes, uh, I'm Clark Kent. This is Miss Lois Lane. How do you do, Mr. Uh, uh, Horn, is it? Yes, Horatio F. Uh, for French, Horn. Uh, I've long admired the repertorial work of each of you, and it is both a delight and a pleasure to be professionally associated with you. No, oh, this is too much. Why, thank you. The pleasure's all mine. Well, thank you, Miss Lane. Uh, we think you've done a fine job of reporting local events in Queen Run, Mr. Horn. Such place for the reporter of your caliber and standing, Mr. Kent, is very flattering indeed. Uh, thank you, Mr. Horn. Is it asking too much for this lovely meeting of the Alphonse and Gaston Mutual Admiration Society be adjourned just long enough for me to find out what Mrs. brings our, our esteemed colleague from Queen Run? Uh, uh. Queen Run, sir. What brings you here from wherever it is? A scoop, sir. A stupendous news beat. Really? Yes, a momentous news story of well-taking importance. You've said that before in two long letters and six collect telegrams. Now, will you please be more explicit? Yes, please do tell us what event of universal interest is brewing in Queen Run. Oh, nothing of such vital proportions ever happened to Queen Run, Miss Lane. What in thunder have you been writing and talking about? Well, I never said, sir, or even implied that the locale for this tremendous scoop was Queen Run. It's an... What? Well, it's just that, sir, as detective, I was able detective? to... Det- are you a detective, Mr. Horn? Certainly. <laughs> did I uh, neglect to tell you that? You sure did. Good Godfrey, what next? Hey, here is my badge. Uh, here is a card which identifies me as a bona fide graduate of the FCSDI. FCG what? FCSDI. Oh. Famous correspondent school detective institute from which I am proud to say I was graduated summa cum laude. Well, that's fine. That's just uh, great. Uh, go on, Mr. Horn. You were saying... Oh, yes, yes. Uh, as a detective, I was able to decode a telegram referring to the well-known atomic scientist, Professor Alonzo Sturgeon. And that's well, now, what... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where did you get hold of the telegram about Professor Sturgeon? Why, I, I intercepted it. You... How? Very simply. You see, I just... Uh, oh, dear, how stupid of me. I... I forgot to tell you that uh, I am also the telegraph operator in Screen Run. You, you are? Oh, no, no, this is too much. Newspaper correspondent, detective, telegraph operator. Is there anything else you do there? Oh, why, yes. Every Saturday. Uh, never mind I do that. Uh, now, Mr. Horn, let's get back to the telegram about the famous Professor Sturgeon, shall we? Do you uh, have a copy of it with you, Mr. Horn? Oh, certainly not. The rules of the telegraph company expressly prohibit such practice. Thank you. I see. Well, uh, well, tell us how you happened to intercept this message. Well, sir, it, it happened a few days ago when the cable crossing at Bannon was washed out, and for nearly 12 hours I was kept at my queue relaying message to local circuits. Early in the morning, my attention was attracted to a particular message for two reasons. First, Mr. White, because it was addressed to you. To me? Uh, correct, sir. It was addressed to Perry White, Maple Lodge, Nestle. Maple Lodge? Well, I never even heard of the place. Why should anyone want to wire me up there? Obviously, someone is using your name for some nefarious purpose. 
And as a detective, it was immediately obvious that the code message was never meant for you. How did you know the message was in code? Elementary, my dear Miss Lane, elementary. You see, the message, as it was written, made no sense. Uh, neither do you. Oh, you do me a great injustice, Mr. White, as you will see in a moment. Now, by applying the rules that propounded my detective manual, I decoded the message to read as follows. <clears throat> Airship, big fish, Adam, not later than by seconds. That's today. You get that? Certainly not. Doesn't make sense to me. Uh, tell me, how do you get a reference to Professor Sturgeon out of that, Mr. Horn? From the two words, big fish. Big fish, Sturgeon. Simple, eh? Oh, yes, yes, very simple. Seems rather far-fetched. Oh, no, not at all, not at all. Now, now, look. Since Professor Sturgeon is one of the greatest living authorities on the atom, the connection is obvious because, A, the very fact that it was coded implies something of great and vital importance, something secret. B, the fact that it was addressed to Perry White and yet was not meant for our Perry White implies an attempt to make it appear innocuous. Uh, do you follow me so far? No. Uh, go on, Mr. Horn. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, where was I? Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. A, B, and now, now, see. See. The current world interest in atomic energy, coupled with the implied secrecy and vital importance, makes it obvious that the words big fish and atom, unquote, refer to Professor Sturgeon, one of the greatest authorities on atomic fission, you see? Atomic fission? Uh, yes, it begins to make sense to me, too. I seem to see a glimmer of light, too. Well, I don't. So far as I'm concerned, this is a lot of dribble dreamed up in the lame brain of a correspondence school detective. And I'll have no Now, look, you heard what I said, Kent. Well, and so did you, Mr. Horatio F. for French Horn. So take your phony scoop story back to the screen run and don't bother with me again with anything but local but, news. But, 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 Mr. White, you're making... You heard what I said, now beat it. For the love of heaven, take him out of here before I really blow my top. You must try to forgive the chief for acting like that, Mr. Horn. Yes, you see, he's just gone through a very trying experience in which he narrowly escaped death. Yes, I, I understand. Just the same, I've never been so humiliated in my life. The way I feel right now, I'm... I'm tempted to sever my connection with the Daily Planet and offer my services to the blame. Oh, no, no. Uh, don't I... do that. Don't do anything like that. I, I believe there's something in your story about danger to Professor Sturgeon. So do I. Do you? Yes. Now, tell me, have you made an attempt to contact Professor Sturgeon to see if he oh, might yes. recognize... Oh, yes. Indeed, I have. Three times I called him long distance, but each time I was not allowed to talk with him personally. His butler insisted the doctor was not available. Oh, I see. Today, when I arrived in Metropolis, I called again. One answer. Maybe he's out of town. Impossible. I happen to know that he's supposed to stand by for a rush call from Operation Crossroads, the atom bomb project. The key. Oh, you may have received that call and rushed out there. That's right. Well, perhaps, but I still feel uneasy. I don't know why, but if it'll set your mind at ease, let's run out to Professor Surgeon's place. Maybe we'll find someone there who can give us more information. Bully idea by Gulliver. Let's go. Still more curious than alarmed, Clark Kent drives Lois Lane and their peculiar colleague, Horatio F. Horn, out to the suburban home of Professor Alonzo Sturgeon, eminent atomic scientist. What will they find there? Satisfied the uneasiness felt by the Daily Planet's eccentric local correspondent from Queen Run, Horatio F. Horn, who claims to have decoded a mysterious message indicating danger to Professor Alonzo Sturgeon, Clark Kent drove Horn and Lois Lane to the atom scientist's suburban home, where we find them now. Isn't it lovely out there in the country? Beautiful. Perfectly beautiful. Uh, did you ring the bell, Miss Kent? No use. There's no one home. Oh, now, really, Clark. How can you tell that? Well, I, I just know, that's all. Well, let's ring anyhow and see. Now, now, here it is. I tell you, that's a waste of time. What's more, something's happened here that makes me think that message you decoded meant business, Mr. Horn. Really? What do you mean, Clark? Come inside now. I'll show you. I think the door's open. Yes. Right. Oh, there it is open. That's strange. 
Not half so strange as what may have happened to Professor Sturgeon. Look there. In the study. Good heavens. Why, why, the place is a shambles. As if there's been a terrible fight. Shot. Clark, Lois Lane, and Horatio Horn stare in horror at the obvious signs of a terrific struggle which give mute testimony to the fate that has befallen the great atom bomb scientist. What has happened to Professor Sturgeon? Has the eminent authority on atomic energy fallen into the hands of ruthless fascist seekers after world domination? A real job develops for Superman in this new and exciting adventure. One that taxes the superhuman powers of the man of steel to the utmost. So don't miss a single thrilling episode. Tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is the copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings, single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, the deductions made by Horatio F. Horn seem well-founded as Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and the amateur detective arrive at Professor Surgeon's house to find the noted scientist mysteriously missing. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, as gold is a comparison that's been kicking around for a long time. But it sure does take on new meaning when you apply it to that sunny breakfast cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Why, Pep is called the sunshine cereal. It's golden to look at, good as gold to taste. Yes, sir. That sparkling sunshine flavor sure does give your morning appetite the old one-two. And are those whole wheat flakes tender? Are they crunchy? Are they terrific? Believe me, the spoon that comes up filled with Kellogg's Pep goes right back for more. In double quick time, your bowl is popped off clean as a whistle, which is always a good idea because Pep is good for you. Gives you solid whole wheat nourishment plus 
And it's particularly important nowadays not to waste cereal. Because we're sending the cereal grains to help give good nourishment to fellows and girls all over the world. Think of that when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers. Don't waste it. If you pour your own Pep, pour it carefully. And finish off every bit you pour out. And say, kind of keep watch on your younger brothers and sisters, too. Get the right habit, gang. Eat all your pep. Don't waste it. And now, the adventures of Superman. When an obscure local correspondent with a daily planet from a tiny hamlet, an eccentric little man who introduced himself as Horatio F. for French Horn, claims to have intercepted and decoded a mysterious message indicating that Professor Alonzo Stegen, famous atom bomb scientist, is in danger, Editor Perry White ordered him out of the office. But Clark Kent and Lois Lane thought there might be something in Horn's story. Unable to reach Professor Sturgeon by phone, Kent drove Lois and Horn to the scientist's suburban home. As we join them today, they are in Professor Sturgeon's wrecked study, amid unmistakable evidence of a recent struggle. Listen. Good what do you think happened here, Claude? I'd say someone put up a terrific fight, Lois. Yes, indeed. A simply terrific fight. And I'll wager my favorite mustache cup against a buffalo nickel. It was Professor Sturgeon. But whom was he fighting, Mr. Horn? Yes, and why? I can't say whom exactly, but I can't say why. The reason is, of course, perfectly clear from the telegram I decoded. Oh, yes. Clear as mud. Would you mind repeating that message, please, Mr. Horn? Not at all, sir. Not at all. Let me see. I should have it here someplace. Mm, that's strange. Now, what did I do? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Here it is. It uh, says, Airship Big Fish Atom, not later than July 2nd, signed ISS. And you figure Big Fish Atom to be Professor Sturgeon. Precisely. Doesn't Big Fish and Atom mean Professor Sturgeon, comic scientist to you, Mr. Kent? Well, assuming that what you say is correct, especially since Professor Sturgeon has mysteriously disappeared on July 2nd, the date mentioned in the telegram. But that's true. Hadn't we better call the police? I was just about to suggest that. Wait a minute. What's that? Listen. Oh, yes. Is that something, boys? Yes. By Gulliver, it sounds like a... Look. What do you think it is? A man bound and gagged, locked in a closet in the hall. What? Follow me. Peculiar. I was about to venture for same guess. I'm not guessing. What do you mean? Don't tell me you can see through walls like Superman. Ridiculous. Mr. Kent must be endowed with a sixth sense. Uh, yeah, yes, I suppose I am. Now, look here, Claude. Here we are. Just... Leave the keys in the lock. I'll, I'll open it. Oh, it is a man. And he's bound and gagged. All right, Mr. All right, relax. I'll have your gag undone in a second. Mr. Horn, Lois, untie his arms and legs. All right, all right. One moment, I'll use my pocket knife to cut those ropes. My detective course taught me that knots can be valuable evidence. Oh, you and your detective course. There you are, the gag, Bob. Oh, oh, thank you, sir. Oh, what a horrible nasty thing to put him on his mouth. There you are, and your hands are free. Oh, and your legs. Oh, how wonderful. I... I, I was beginning to feel something like, uh, well, you know. Yes, of course. Now, tell us, who are you? Well, before I reveal anything to you, it's my duty to ask first, who are you? Well, of all, I'm Clark Kent. This is Miss Lane and Mr. Horn. We're reporters from the Daily Planet. We came out here to see Professor Sturgeon. Oh, poor, poor Professor Sturgeon. Why? He fought so valiantly with those horrible men, but they overpowered what him. What men? What did they want? Please, start at the beginning and tell us what happened, with him. Very well, you see, I, I'm Breckenridge, Professor Sturgeon's man. Yes. His valet and butler, you know. Yes, go on. Well... Early this afternoon, I answered the doorbell to find several gentlemen who wished to see Professor Sturgeon. I told them that the professor was at work in his study and had left word that he was not to be disturbed, but they insisted. And Professor Sturgeon saw them? Yes. It appears that they represented a scientific group of some sort, or at least they claim so. Uh, what was the name of the group, do you recall? No, sir. The name escapes me at the moment. Well, we'll come back to that later. Go on, Breckenridge. At any rate, they added with them a medal which they showed Professor Sturgeon and which they said was to be presented to the professor this evening at a meeting of their group. This evening, eh? That's right, sir. Who started the fight? Well, I'm coming to that, miss. It happened when Professor Sturgeon declined the honor. Why? Oh, I can't tell you, sir. I was called away to answer the telephone at that moment. And then, then I heard easy quarreling in the study. 
I rushed back here. Professor Sturgis' callers were threatening us. They were, eh? Yes. He ordered them to leave. Instead, one of them pulled a pistol from his pocket. This made Professor Sturgis furious. And he threw a paperweight, knocking the firearm from the man's hand. Good heavens. A brave man, Professor Sturgeon. A brave man, indeed. Brave but fool, Hucky. Then what happened? Oh, General Malay, a battle of fisticuffs followed, in which Professor Sturgeon and I were no match for our more burly assailants. A blow on the head knocked the poor man unconscious. And while two of them carried him out to a waiting vehicle, that's a light truck, you know, another fetched me a blow on the head. When I awoke, I was as you found me, crushed up and locked in that closet. Now, by Gulliver, do you believe that the message I intercepted really indicated danger to Professor Sturgeon? Certainly do. Look, Breckenridge, did any of those men identify themselves by name? Let me... Oh, yes. One of them asked to be announced as Dr. Leon Carlos. Leon Carlos? Yes, sir. A swarthy person, rather a Latin type, I would say. Aha, uh-huh. a Spaniard. Now, don't let's jump to conclusions, Horn. Think, Breckenridge, maybe you can remember the name of the society he claimed to represent. Sorry, sir, I can't for the life of me remember it. That's too bad. Did you notice anything special about the truck? No, sir. I'll show you notice the license number, Breckenridge. That's the first rule in crime detection. I am not a detective, sir, but a gentleman's gentleman. Besides, I was much too busy trying to defend myself. But you didn't have the horse, Skipper. Look, Lois, we'd better contact the police at once. Right, Suppose sir. you call Inspector Henderson, huh? Give him a fast resume of what's happened here and suggest he rush out in a hurry. Okay. Uh, where's your phone, Breckenridge? Uh, this way, miss. You follow me. Now, what was the address to which that code message was sent, Mr. Horn? Uh, let me see. Uh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Maple Lodge, Nashville, Blue Mountain. Thanks. I'll see you later. But, but where are you going, Mr. Kent? Oh, just to uh, have a look around outside. You sit down with Miss Lane, will you, and wait for the police. I better go have a look at what goes on at Maple Lodge. Uh, Superman. Got a hunch Professor Sturgeon's disappearance means too much to world peace to leave any stone unturned. There we are. Now, up, up, and away! <laughs> This is Maple Lodge, isn't it? You've seen a sign, didn't you? Yeah, of course, just making sure, you know. You live here, do you? No, I'm the caretaker. What do you want? Oh, nothing special. Just wanted to live here. Nobody here now but me. So I can't see how that's any of your business. Well, it is my business. That is, if Carlos is here. Who'd you say? You know, Dr. Leon Carlos. I've never heard of him. Come on, come on, quit stalling. I got to see Carlos in important business. It's, it's about the big fish. Know what I mean? The big... No, no, that, that don't mean nothing to me, but if you mean the guy that lived here before, he left a forward in that. Really? What is it? 96 Walnut Street. That's in Metropolis. 96 Walnut Street. Say, uh, do you mind if I use your phone? Well, we ain't got no phone here, mister. But I... Th- I said we ain't got no phone. I'll beat it. There's a storm coming up. I got work to do. Oh, I don't doubt that for a minute, pal. Oh, thanks, and... So long. I'll be seeing you again. I don't like that bird's looks one bit, the way he responded to the name Leon Carlos. Something going on, all right, but what? Certainly there was nothing in evidence up here at the lodge, at least nothing my extra examination of the house could spot. But I did catch my caretaker friend in a lie, because it is a telephone there, I saw it. Well, I guess this is far enough away from him. These bushes will provide an excellent screen. Now, off with these clothes. Back to Metropolis by Superman Express. Maybe a quick look at 96. Walnut Street will turn up a clue. There we are, all set now. Up through those storm clouds. Up and away! (laughs) 
Coming into the storm-darkened sky, Superman rockets toward Metropolis and a shocking surprise. Plowing his way through a heavy thunderstorm that envelops the Blue Mountains, Superman arrives finally at Metropolis. Then, resuming his guise and garb of Clark Kent reporter, he sets out for 96 Walnut Street, the address given him by the man at Maple Lodge. As we rejoin him now, Kent is walking along, peering at the numbers of the building, when he runs into an old friend. Oh, there, Officer Clancy. Well, well, what if it ain't me old friend Clark Kent, the demon reporter? <laughs> and what would you be doing down in this neighborhood, me buggo? Well, what I'm looking for at the moment is 96 Walnut Street. 96 Walnut, do you say? That's right. You see, I have reason to believe that a party I'm looking for can be found at that address. Who you now? Uh-huh. Well, what would you be saying if I told you you're standing right at what would be 96 Walnut Street this day minute? Right in front of... Clancy, this... This is an empty lot. Right you are. The building that was numbered 96 was torn down five years ago and never rebuilt. Momentarily shocked at the realization that he has been duped, Clark Kent stands and gazes at the empty lot, which appears to be a dead end to the trail he hoped would lead him to the missing Professor Sturgeon. What will happen now? Can Superman find the missing atom bomb scientist before an unscrupulous power makes use of Professor Sturgeon's genius for a personal gain? The peace of the world may be at stake. So you may be sure Superman won't give up. Don't miss a single episode of this thrilling story. Tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is the copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents the adventures of Superman. The strange disappearance of Professor Sturgeon has baffled not only Horatio F. Horn, the amateur detective, but Superman himself, as his latest clue disappears into thin air. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, you're going to get a Fourth of July bang out of this week's pet dish of the week. It's bang up delicious. You tried it yet? It's a peach rocket, you know, a dish that makes your morning appetite take off in a hurry. And here's how easy it is to make a peach rocket. First, line the sides of your breakfast bowl with slices of firm ripe peach. Arrange them so that they're pointing up, you know, like skyrockets. Next, pour your serving of Kellogg's Pet in the middle so the peaches stick up above the flakes. Then, uh, milk and sugar. And that's all it takes to make a peach rocket, a nifty new way to dress up your morning dish of Kellogg's Pet. Believe me, gang, that sunny golden toasted flavor sure does rise and shine. And Pet is so crisp and tender, your spoon just naturally keeps going right back for more. Why, before you know it, you've finished off every last crunchy flake of Kellogg's Pep in your bowl, which is always the right idea, and particularly right nowadays, when we're sending the grains to fellows and girls across the seas. 
Nobody wants to waste cereal. Remember that when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocer. If you pour your own Pep, pour it carefully and eat up every bit you pour out. Make it a habit to eat all your Pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. When Clark Kent and Lois Lane seem to believe Horatio F. Horn, an obscure Daily Planet local correspondent, amateur detective, and telegrapher, who told what appeared to be a fanciful story of a threat to a famous atom bomb scientist, it was only in an effort to be kind to the eccentric little man from Screen Run, Ohio, whose feelings had been hurt by the outspoken editor. But when, on paying a visit to Professor Alonzo Sturgeon's home, they learned that the famous scientist had been abducted, they knew that Horatio Horn's intercepting and decoding of a message referring to Professor Sturgeon had uncovered a threat to world peace. Leaving Lois and Horn to await the police, Kent slipped away and, as Superman, streaked to a mountain lodge to which the coded message had been addressed. There, he found no one but a surly caretaker who told him that the previous occupants had vacated, leaving 96 Walnut Street in Metropolis as a forwarding address. Rocketing back to the city, Superman discovered that the address was false. That 96 Walnut Street is an empty lot. Listen. An empty lot. Well, either that shifty-eyed caretaker sent me on a fool's errand or Professor Sturgeon's abductors gave him a phony address. Either way, I've run up against the dead end. Well, there's only one thing to do. Go back to the professor's house and try to pick up the trail again from there. Up! Up! And away! As Superman speeds back to the home of the missing atom bomb scientist, Lois Lane, furious at the thought that Clark Kent had slipped away in an attempt to score a scoop on her, has persuaded Horatio Horn to accompany her on a trip to Maple Lodge in the Blue Mountains, the address to which the cryptic telegram had been sent. And as we join them now, Lois and Horn and Kent are laboriously climbing up and down the winding mountain road, fighting their way through a heavy rainstorm. Uh, forgive me for mentioning it, Miss Lane, but uh, isn't this a bit risky? Oh, relax, Mr. Horn. This storm won't last long. Besides, we're not far from Maple Lodge now. What uh, puzzles me is how you can see the road, let alone know where we are with your windshield wipers not working. Well, that is a handicap, I must admit. But I'm managing. Mm. Uh, look, Miss Lane... Maybe this is a fool's errand. I mean, maybe Mr. Kent didn't go to Maple Lodge after all. But you said he asked you the address before it disappeared, didn't you? Quite true, quite true. But as a graduate detective, an honor graduate, I might add, of the famous correspondence school detective institute, I fail to see how you deduce from that the conviction that Mr. Kent... If you knew Clark as I do, you'd be just as sure as I am that he slipped away and took a train to the lodge. But Why, he'd do almost anything to get a scoop on me. I'm going to outsmart him this time. Perhaps. Yes, but sir. We'll reach that lodge and get whatever story there is before he even arrives by... Oh, my dear Miss Wayne. Oh, sorry. If you're not more careful, we may never even arrive. Oh, come now, Mr. Horn. You've got to have more confidence in my driving. Believe me, it isn't so much a matter of confidence as... Great Sorry again. I didn't see that curve until we almost ran beyond it. I, I don't wonder. The rain's so heavy. Look, Miss Lane, hadn't we better For just... the last time, Mr. Horn, no. We're not turning back and we're not stopping. Don't you want to track down the men who abducted Professor Spurgeon? Of course I do. As a detective, I feel... I don't we... care how you feel now. Just relax. At least don't you think you'd better run in low gear? Or at least in second gear? No. Why? Well, this is a rather steep downgrade, and I... Look out, there's a sharp curve at the bottom. I see it, I see it. Well, look, there's a river around the bend and a bridge. I know. Now, will you stick fast? Stop, stop. You'll never make the curve. I can't stop. I'm kidding. Swing hard, for Pete's sake. Swing hard. Go on this wheel. Swing hard, we'll miss the bridge. Too late. Hang on. Get 
rocks and dirt washed onto the narrow mountain road by the heavy rain. Lois Lane and Horatio Horn and Kent's car crashed through a wooden bridge railing and into a swollen stream. At about the same time, Superman, unaware of what has happened to his friend, again resumes the guise and garb of Clark Kent and enters the home of Professor Sturgeon. Who's that? It's I, Inspector. Who? Clark Kent. Oh, Kent. Hey, where in the world have you been? Oh, I've been snooping around. Say, did Lois give you the background on Sturgeon's disappearance? Yeah. Yeah, this is bad business, Kent. Professor Sturgeon's one of the top scientists in the country. When he gets out that he's been snatched, the mayor, the governor, and everybody named Joe will be on my neck. Now, with all respect to your neck, Inspector, the situation is more serious than that. Professor Sturgeon knows all the secrets of the atom bomb. If enemies of our country have him and force the secrets from him, we and all the rest of the world are in terrible danger. Oh, come now, Kent. Just because one of the conductors had a foreign accent, there's no reason to suspect an international plot. And I do suspect it, and I'm worried. Look, Inspector, I've got to get up to Maple Lodge, but I want to see Lois first. Where is she, do you know? Why, she was around here a little while ago, and I saw her drive off. In your car, by the way. Oh? Yeah, she didn't say where she was going. That's strange. What about the man who was with her? You mean that Horatio F. French horn character? Yes. Yeah, well, he went with her. Hey, just who is that guy? Oh, he's the local correspondent for the Daily Planet in Squeen Run, Ohio. Uh. He intercepted and decoded the message that got us on this story. So I was told. Mm -hmm. Fancies himself quite a detective, doesn't he? Well, I wouldn't underestimate that little fellow if I were you. I think he's got a lot on the ball. Well, to me, all amateur detectives are a pain in the neck. Oh, uh, incidentally, there's no use in your going to Maple Lodge, Kent. Why? Well, I'll send Healy up there. Oh, don't waste his time. The so-called Mr. White to whom the code message was addressed at the lodge has skipped. Yeah? Uh-huh. Well, that's a forwarding address in Metropolis. Is that so? Uh, what is it, do you know? Sure. 96 Walnut Street. 96 Walnut, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, Healy, call headquarters and have them send a proud... No, wait a minute, Inspector. Huh? Don't bother. I've already checked that address. Well, what'd you find? An empty lot. What? An empty lot. Bounded on one side by a big loft building and on the other side by a one-story warehouse given over to packing and crating. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Did you say you got that phony address, Kent? From the caretaker of Maple Lodge. What? Well, that's 50, 60 miles from here. How in blazes did you... Well, I... <laughs> I get it. Telephone, eh? Uh, yes, yes. Yes, there's a telephone there. So the caretaker gave you a phony steer, huh? Then he's the man we want. He must be in on the plot. Perhaps. Or else he got a phony steer, too. Either way, I'm going to find out. I'll see you later, Inspector. Oh, wait a minute. I told you I'd send Healy up there. He can... I'll be there long before Healy. How will you? Well, I, I have my own special way. I'll, I'll see you later. Leaving the house, Clark Kent quickly resumes his true identity of Superman and streaks to the Blue Mountain. The violent storm, which is now dying away, has felled trees across the narrow mountain road and swollen streams into raging rivers. A sudden alarming thought crosses Superman's mind and he slows his rocket-like flight. Wait a minute. Henderson said Lois and Horn went away in my car. I'll bet they started from Maple Lodge to look for Professor Sturgeon. If they did, they ran into this storm and may be in trouble. I'd better keep my eyes open. Away! No sign of them. Maybe I was wrong. I guess I... Wait a minute. What's that down there? A bridge smashed. And a wrecked car at the bottom of that stream, completely submerged. Must have skidded into the bridge. Wait a minute. It's my car. Lois was in it. Down to that car. Now! Car's full of water. Lois and Horatio Hawk, they're not in it. Quick, Scott, where are they? What happened to them? Alarmed, Superman stands at the bottom of the swollen stream, gazing into his wrecked car, empty but for the swirling, muddied water. What has happened to Lois Lane and Horatio Horn? Superman stands puzzled and alarmed by his wrecked car at the bottom of the mountain stream. Lois Lane and Horatio Horn are in a perilous predicament. 
stunned when the car crashed through the bridge into the stream, they nevertheless managed to make their way to a window. The surging current, swollen by storm waters, caught them and swept them away like driftwood. Half drowned, they have finally managed to catch onto a floating log. Now, clinging weakly to it, they are carried at breakneck speed into a raging ice-cold mountain torrent, which has swept far beyond its banks and become a tumultuous river. I don't think I can hold on much longer, Mr. Horn. You've got to hold on, Miss Lane. I can't. If you don't, you'll be drowned. But my arms, they feel like lead. I... And the water's so cold. I'm getting numb. I, I know. So am I. Try kicking your feet. I can't. They're like chunks of ice. I'm going to have to let go pretty soon. No, you, you can't. I tell you. Listen, let's try calling for help. Come on now, we'll, we'll call together. Oh, what's the use? Nobody can hear us over this water. There's nobody around anyway. Well, let's try. You never can tell. Come on, I'll holler. Help! 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 Clinging to the log with fast waning strength, Lois Lane and Horatio Horn raised their voices weakly and cried for help. But over the rushing, relentless sound of the torrential waters, their cries are barely audible. And Superman is several miles away. What will happen to the girl reporter and the little amateur detective? And what will this delay mean to Superman's chances of tracing Professor Surgeon? Tomorrow's episode is packed with thrills and a startling surprise. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. As the search for Professor Sturgeon continues, Horatio F. Horn, amateur detective, has run into trouble. Trouble that may mean his life and that of the girl reporter, Lois Lane. Hello, sir, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, uh, strictly off the record, how many breakfasts would you guess are started off by Kellogg's Pet every morning? Well, you know, I went on the record with a big guess the other day, and I missed it by a mile. Of course, I'm not really surprised that Pet is such a winner. It makes such a slick dish for breakfast, how could anybody resist it? Why, just the looks of a bowl of sunny, golden toasted Kellogg's Pep makes your appetite sit up and take notice right away. And what that sparkling sunshine flavor does for your taste gives you the old come on all right. Pep's tender crispness has a way with your appetite, too. Every crunchy flake seems to melt in your mouth. Yes, sir, Kellogg's Pep is so good, you'll keep right on eating until you've polished off every bit in your bowl. 
And that's keeping on the bean gang. Because the cereal grains have been picked out to help give good nourishment to fellows and girls all over the world. Think of that when Mom brings Kellogg's Pet home from the grocer's. Don't waste it. If you pour your own pet, pour it carefully and eat up every bit you pour out. Pass the word along to the rest of your family, too. Remember, eat all your pets. Don't waste it. And now, the adventures of Superman. When Horatio F. Horn, part-time telegrapher, part-time amateur detective, and part-time correspondent for the Daily Planet in an Ohio village, decoded a telegram which he said indicated danger. Professor John Sturgeon, famous expert on atomic power, he hot-footed it to Metropolis. That same day, Professor Sturgeon was abducted by three mysterious foreign-speaking men. As Superman, Clark Kent streaks to a lodge in the mountains where the telegram had been addressed, but failed to find the professor. Meanwhile, Lois Lane and Horatio Horn had also left for the lodge by car. Battling a violent storm en route, their car skidded on a narrow mountain road and plunged into a swollen mountain stream. As we continue now, Superman is searching for Lois and Horatio, who, having made their way out of the submerged car, are clinging desperately to a slippery log and are being swept by the current at breakneck speed into a wider, icy cold mountain torrent. Listen. <laughs> Uh, are you all right, Miss Lane? Uh, I, I'm getting numb. Well, and this fog is so slippery. Oh. I, I don't think I can hang on much longer. Now, now you, you've got to hang on. You've just got to, you know. Look at me. I, I'm hanging on. Oh. Mr. Horn. Mr. Horn, where, where are you? Here. Here. Here, here I am, Miss Lane. Oh, thank heaven. I thought you were, no. you were gone. Oh, it's not so easy to lose Horatio Horn. Uh, and I say this log is slippery. Worse than a greased pig by Gulliver. What are we going to do? I can't hang on much longer. My hands and feet are like blocks of ice. Try to keep up your courage, young lady. There's a bend up ahead. If we work our way closer to shore, we might... Oh, oh my goodness. Now what? The foam... Well, don't you see the foam on the water? Don't you notice how much faster the current is? Well, that means... Uh, it means what? Well, look for yourself. You you can see around the bend now. Good heavens. There's a sharp rock sticking out of the water and... and that it's thing. a falls. We're going to be swept over it. Quick, let's go of the log and swim. Swim to the shore. The current is strong. I can't swim again. Oh, this. you've got to. If we're carried over that rocky falls, it'll be the end of us. Swim, Miss Lane. It's no use. Oh. I, I can't stand. Right. No. I've got you. I'll hang onto my shoulder. No, we're both done. You just try to save yourself, Mr. Horn. And leave a lady in distress. No horn would think of such a thing. Oh, I say this current is powerful. I can't make my headway. Let me go, I tell you. No, save yourself. It's too late now. We're going over the floor. Oh. Oh. Relax, Miss Lane. You turn Mr. Horn. Everything's under control. Oh, Superman. Oh, my God. We stop moving. Under this arm, you, Miss Lane. You under this arm, Mr. Horn. Superman, I can't believe it. I thought it was the end. So did I. I say, my good fellow, are you really Superman? Here's where you find out. Up and away! Why, we're flying. We really are. You are Superman. At your service. I noticed a farmhouse around here before. You two need some dry clothing in a hurry and something hot to drink. An excellent idea by Gulliver. We haven't time for that, Superman. Look, Professor Sturgeon, the atom bomb scientist, was abducted. We think some foreign agents took him to a mountain lodge near here. 
Professor. I'll do everything I can to find the Professor. I'll take you to the farmhouse and go on to the lodge. Stop! Leaving Lois Lane and Horatio Horn at the farmhouse, Superman speaks to Maple Lodge, which he now finds completely deserted. Carefully, he searches the low, rambling building and then the surrounding woods and countryside. Finally, he is about to give up and return to Metropolis when he sees an ancient car chugging up to the lodge door. Quickly resuming the guise and garb of Clark Kent, he walks around the house to greet Lois and Horatio Horn as they step from the car. Oh, Lois, Mr. Horn, what are you doing? Clark Kent, so you did come up here. Oh, yes, of course, you see, I... I see, all right. You left me to wait for Inspector Henderson while you rushed up here to scoop me on the story. I wasn't thinking of the story. I was thinking of Professor Sturgeon. I could get up here much faster. Uh, uh, Let's not quarrel, young people. Quarreling disturbs the clear process of reason. And as the president of my alma mater, the famous correspondence school... Please, never mind your alma mater now, Mr. Horn. Let's hear from this other great detective, Mr. Kent. What did you find up here, Clark? Except mosquitoes, I mean. Practically nothing, Lord. I thought so. Who lives in the lodge? Nobody, at the moment. But I say, someone must live here. This is where the telegram was addressed. You know, the one I decoded. It said, airship, big fish, item. There's nobody here now, though. Even the caretaker disappeared. What caretaker? The one I spoke to when I was here before. Frank, his name was. He was apparently Wait in on the plot. Because he sent me off on Just a wild goose chase. Just a minute, I caught up with him, though, if I hadn't had Just a look. Just a minute, I said. How could you have been here before? What do you mean? Well, you've hardly had time to get up here from the Oh, oh why... And you couldn't well, have been looking for us. You deserted us in Metropolis. No. And it's I... only due to a miracle, or to Superman, to be exact, that now, we're alive. Come to think of it, where is he? Never Just mind about Superman or how or why I got here. We haven't a moment away. So if you want me to tell you what happened, you'll have to stop interrupting. Well, really? This all sounds fishy to me. Now, I don't look, like well, how well, well, He's quite oh. upset by this terrible affair, Miss Lane, and so are we. The thing to do is to sit down quietly, talk this over. Oh, Harmony brings about a meeting of the minds. As the president, I am a the famous correspondent school detective. Oh, please, spare me, Mr. Horn. Me too, Mr. Horn. Go on, Clark. You and I will settle this later. Tell me about the caretaker. Well, I said I think he was in on the plot, because when I questioned him about the big fish telegram, he looked definitely startled. He did? Then he admitted the lodge had been rented to someone for the summer. Someone who had moved out very suddenly this morning. When Professor Sturgeon was abducted. Right. He said I could find the man at 96 Walnut Street in Metropolis. He did? Yes. Well, why didn't you say so before? Well, what are you standing around here for? Well, Let's get started. If you just let me get away. Wait a minute. Just a moment. Let me finish, will you? Caretaker gave me a wrong steer. What do you mean, Carl? I mean, there is no 96 Walnut Street. What? There's a vacant lot where number 96 Walnut Street should be. What's that? A vacant lot, you say? Yes. How do you know? I... Well, I happen to know that part of Walnut Street. Well, then... We're up a tree, Mr. Kent. Right, and I don't know where to go from here. Wait a minute. What's that? What? I don't see anything. What? Oh, I hear a telephone. In the lodge. Come on, maybe someone's calling the man who lived here. Hello, this is Maple Lodge. Car Kent there, please. Inspector Henderson of the Metropolis Police Department. Oh, hello, Inspector. This is Kent speaking. Is that Henderson? Yes, it's Middle Did you find anything up there? Not a thing, except Miss Lane and Horatio Horn. How about you? I found something. You did? What's that? Well, I don't want to think about it on the phone. How soon can you get back to Metropolis? Oh, a minute or two. Good. Uh, a minute or two? Hey, who do you think you are, Superman? Could be. I'll be there as soon as possible, Inspector. Step on it, Kent. This is important. Leaving Lois Lane and Horatio Horn to return to Metropolis in their borrowed car, Clark Kent slipped away, resumed his true identity as Superman, and rocketed back to Metropolis. As we join him now, he is in the office of Police Inspector Henderson, examining a finely engraved gold medal. Here's a magnifying glass, Kent. I want you to read the inscription on that medal. I can read it without the glass, Inspector. It says... Presented to Alonzo A. Sturgeon in admiration by the International Scientific Society. Uh-huh. Well, what about it? Remember what Sturgeon's butler said about the three men who took the professor away? Yes, of course. He said they gave Sturgeon some story about wanting him to accept a medal from that society. Hey, wait a minute. You mean... Exactly, Kent. 
They said they were from the International Scientific Society. This was the medal they were giving to the professor. Oh. They wanted him to come to a banquet or something and accept it formally. Uh -huh. The professor didn't want to go, so they took him forcibly. Well, now, wait a minute. How do you know they said the International Scientific Society? Well, the butler said so. Well, he told me he couldn't remember the name of the society. He remembered the name when we found this medal on the lawn. Oh, I see. Well, look, uh, what, what is this uh, society? As soon as I find that out, I'll find the professor. As soon as... You mean it isn't listed? I can't find any trace of it in Metropolis. Must have foreign headquarters. Healy's checking on it now with Dr. McCrae at the university. Just a minute, I may be Healy now. Hello? Oh, yes, Healy, what did you find out about that society? What? You're sure? Well, how do you like that? Okay. So long. What is it, Inspector? That was Healy. Calling from Dr. McCrae's office at the university, Kent. Yes? McCrae says there is no international scientific society anywhere in the world. Startled, Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson stare at each other, realizing that their only clue to Professor Sturgeon has turned out to be no clue at all. What will happen now? A small group of power-mad men possessed of the atom bomb secret can threaten the world as it has never been threatened before. And even Superman may be unable to prevent the catastrophe in time. Monday's episode is tense and exciting, gang. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyright feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pets, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!